Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. Thanks, man. Love you. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. And good morning. It is a good morning because it's a God morning. Every morning is a good morning because it's a God morning. And whether you woke up this morning into positive circumstances or negative circumstances, if you love God and are called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28 promises you that he's going to work it for your good. He's going to work it for your good. You know, in Thessalonians, it says, give thanks in all things. And my wife, Suzanne, whom you're going to hear in a few minutes, uh, she says, sometimes you, th- you say, thank you, God. And sometimes you say, thank you, God. A little harder sometimes than others. When I was growing up in central Oklahoma, two or three times a year, the family, we'd load up into the car and we'd drive 13 miles north to the thriving metropolis of Meeker, Oklahoma. 300 population. It was the home of my grandfather and my grandmother, Mama and Papa, my, uh, my mother's parents. And we went there more often than that. Two or three times a year, we would, we would center in on that location along with aunts and uncles and great aunts and great uncles and mothers and fathers and sons and daughters and lots and lots of cousins. And it was a potluck kind of a thing. There was usually fried chicken or ham or turkey. There were mountains of mashed potatoes with cream gravy. There were whatever vegetables were in season. There were all kinds of salads. And then the desserts. Oh, my goodness. The desserts. You know, <laughs> you're watering, Chris. Your, your, your mouth, mouth is watering. You know, homemade pies, you know, cherry pie and apple pie. And man, my great aunt, Aunt Prudy, made this incredible coconut cream pie that was that high. <clears throat> you know, we'd have, that, we'd have that feast and then the adults would stay in the house or on the porch and visit. While uh, all of us kids, we, we were out and about. We were playing marbles and tag and capture the flag. And we were chasing the chickens in the, ch- in the, in the barnyard and, and shooting hoops or whatever. Now, I grew up in that kind of environment. And what that did is it shaped my concept and understanding of family. Of family. Now, I realize that some of you, maybe a lot of you, didn't grow up in that environment. And I'm going to address that in a, uh, in a few minutes. But on February the 5th here, Pastor Joel shared with us what he entitled, he had a, he had a slide up there, it says the seven shifts that he saw in the church. And item number four on that list of seven, he said, was from hirelings and professionals to spiritual fathers and mothers. From hirelings, somebody who's just in the job for the money, or professionals, people who have a degree and therefore want the title and the respect that that uh, degree brings, the shift from there to fathers and mothers. And I agree with him that I see that shift going on. So, 
I want to speak to you today about what I understand from Scripture and what I understand from the experiences that I have had about what a spiritual father and a spiritual mother is and what they do. And of course, now we go especially to the Scriptures. We're going to start off in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 15. Paul says, For if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I became your father through the gospel. He said, if you were to have countless tutors... That word countless in the Greek text is the word myrios from which we get myriad. Myriad. And and some translations, some English translations, are very accurate when they translate it 10,000. That's what the word means. He said if you had 10,000 tutors, you don't have many fathers. When John saw in the book of Revelation, he saw the throne room. He was trying to describe it and he said, I saw angels and there were myriads upon myriads of angels. Ten thousands upon ten thousands. Man, I can't wait to see that sight. Can you? Though you have countless tutors in Christ. Isn't that true today? Isn't that true today? I mean, with live stream, with books, there are... Young people, there are things called books, and you open them and you read words from them. Books, podcasts, all kinds of opportunities for us to hear speakers and teachers. And I'm not down on teachers at all. Teachers are a gift. I mean, Steve has taken us through spiritual gifts recently, and that's one of the spiritual gifts to the church is teaching. And in Ephesians 4, it says teachers are given to equip the body. And I've received from from teachers all of my spiritual life. I'm not down at all on tutors. But there are a lot of tutors that Paul goes on to say, there's not many fathers. And when when I'm talking today about fathers, I'm also talking about mothers too. Spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers. He says, I came, can we have the verse back up there again? He said, yet you would not have any fathers, for in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. In Christ Jesus, through the gospel, I became your father. It was a divine relational connection. It was divine relational. The life in the family of of God, in the church, through spiritual fathers and mothers, begins with a divine relational connection in the gospel and in Christ Jesus. Sons and daughters, just like they are in the natural, are birthed. Sometimes we lead someone to the Lord, and that someone becomes our spiritual son or our spiritual daughter. But just like happens in the natural, sometimes those Children are adopted into the family. My oldest son and his wife years ago went to the Democratic Republic of Congo to an orphanage, and the Lord led them to pick out a boy. And they brought him home. And now Johnny, Johnny Wallace, is 16 years old. He's getting ready to go into his senior year at Lake Travis High School. And every week... Almost every week on Sunday evening, I have a phone call with Johnny, and it's discipleship. 
I've just, over the last three years, I have poured into his life. He, he texted me three years ago when he was 14. And he said, Papa, I want to be your apprentice. And I said, well, what do you mean? What do you mean by apprentice? He said, I want to know what you know. I want to go where you go. I want to hear God like you do. Boy, don't you think I jumped at that opportunity? And so for almost the last two and a half years on Sunday evenings, I've just been pouring out what I know, what's been invested in me into my grandson, my adopted grandson. But you know what? Even though he's adopted, he's got all of the rights and the privileges and the responsibilities of that family, of our family, just as much as the ones that were birthed, just as much. And we're going to find in a minute that Timothy was like that as well. It's a divine relational connection. It's about relationship. It's not about structure. It's not about organization. Now, I was part of a group years and years ago in which they tried to structure fathers and mothers and sons and daughters. They said, go out and find your spiritual son, and in a month we're going to check and see if you found one. I mean, it was disastrous. It was disastrous. So many people were hurt by that. It is not structural. It's not organizational. It's relational. And it's divine relationship. God connects people together. Years and years ago, when I was a brand new pastor, just starting the first church that we started, I went to a man in the Dallas area that was a spiritual father in the area. And we talked, and he ended up praying for me. And one of the things that he prayed for me, one of the things that he said to me, he said, go find yourself a spiritual father. Now, he was a spiritual father. But there wasn't that divine connect. He prayed for me. And a few years later, I connected with Papa Jack Taylor, who became my spiritual father. All right? Many of you know, and Jack has even been here. He's a little busy right now. He's with the Lord. His attention is captured right now. But even though Doug was a spiritual father and prayed for me that I would find a spiritual father, he wasn't it. God had something else because it was a divine spiritual relational connection. It says, but there's not many fathers. Why? Why aren't there many fathers? I'm going to address that in a minute. Part of that is that you got to realize that Being a father, a spiritual father, and a spiritual mother isn't necessarily chronological. You don't have to be really old like me. All right? But from my experience is you got to be mature and you got to have some track record with God. You got to have a journeyed with God. A couple of weeks ago, Steve mentioned the passage in 1 John chapter 2 where it talks to three groups of people. He says, to children, to young men, and to fathers. And both times to the fathers, his encouragement says, I speak to you fathers because you've known him who was from the beginning. You've known him who is from the beginning. Spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers have known him who is from the beginning. And they have walked with him through years and all kinds of circumstances and and ups and downs. Fathers and mothers, that you don't have to be chronologically old. But it does take maturity 
and some journeying together. When I've gotten together with the, the, the divine connections the Lord has given me with spiritual, primarily spiritual sons, Suzanne and I as spiritual sons and spiritual daughters, when I've sat down with them, I, I tell them this right from the beginning. I said, look, there's two ways to get wisdom. One of them hurts more than the other, and that's how I've gotten mine. And maybe I can help you not get it that way. Malachi 4. You can put that up there. Last two verses in the Old Testament. He, God says, Behold, I'm going to send to you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers so that I will not uh, come and strike the land with complete destruction. There are seasons in which God turns the hearts of fathers to their children and children to their fathers. He said, I'm going to send the spirit of Elijah. Well, what did Elijah do when he came? The first Elijah. He came to call God's people back to the true God. Okay, the spirit of Elijah rested on John the Baptist. What did John the Baptist do? He came to call Israel from false gods and not fully uh, following God back to the true God. We're in a season now in which God is calling people to turn away from the gods and idols that they have followed in our culture and come back to the true God. We're in a time of the season of the spirit of Elijah. And part of what he's doing during that time is turning hearts. But notice the order. What comes first? It's hearts to the children first. It's from fathers to children first. And then from the children to the fathers. Oh God, may you turn the hearts of fathers and mothers in this day and time to children the orphans that are out there. What do fathers and mothers do? How do they function? What are they supposed to offer? How do you learn fathering and mothering? Let's go to verse 16 in 1 Corinthians. Paul has just said, I'm a father to you, therefore I urge you, be imitators of me. It starts with divine, relational, Connection. And then it functions through imitative, exemplary living. Imitating, imitating, imitating. Paul says, since I'm your spiritual father, imitate me. What you see in me, do that. Now he qualifies that later in 1 Corinthians in chapter 11 in verse 1 where he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So what you're supposed to imitate is the Jesus that you see in the Father. (laughs) Imitate the Jesus that you see in the Father. There is a picture of me. It's probably long lost by now. But it was taken either in 1951 or 1952. I'm really old. Okay, 1951. And my father and I are standing in the front yard of the house that we lived in at the time. My dad is standing there in the front yard and he had this thing called a push mower. A push lawnmower. <clears throat> it was uh, a, a set of blades on wheels with a long wooden handle. And uh, this was even several years before gas-powered lawnmowers were available to the public and that he would spend quite a few 
minutes and hours pushing that mower mowing the lawn. So we have a picture of him standing there in front of his lawnmower, and here I am as a four- or five-year-old standing next with my little plastic lawnmower. Why did I do that? Why did they get me that? Because I want to be like my daddy. I want to imitate my daddy. That's the idea here. That's the idea here. He says, imitate me. And to imitate for a spiritual father and a spiritual mother to be imitated in Christ is they've got to live a real life. They've got to live a real life. One of the reasons that there's not many fathers is because a lot of people who should be spiritual fathers and mothers say, well, I'm disqualified. Man, I don't want anybody imitating my life. I mean, I, I have just not, you know, I've, I've not done well. But hey, there was a reality of life. Spiritual sons and spiritual daughters want to see reality. They want to see your failures and they want to see your successes. They want to see how you cope with failure. They want to see what you do when you get angry. They want to see what you do when you spew out a few cuss words. They want to see when you're disappointed. I mentioned Papa Jack Taylor. One of the things that he used to say is people would ask him, Jack, how is it that you've just persevered all this time in the faith? And he said, it's because I've just gotten up one more time that I got knocked down. Sometimes that's what we got to share with younger people. You just get up one more time. You just keep getting up. That's what spiritual sons and daughters need to see is real life. Well, what is required goes on in verse 17. 1 Corinthians 4, 17. It's in there. I know it's in the Bible. <laughs> ah, there we go. For this reason, because I'm a spiritual father and I want you to imitate me, for this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, and he will remind you of my ways which are in Christ, just as I teach in everywhere in every church. Spiritual fathering and mothering flows through an open and transparent lifestyle. He says, Timothy is going to come. I'm going to send to you. He's my son. He's my son. Now, if you go back to Acts chapter 16, the first three verses, where Paul met Timothy was in Lystra and Derbe. In Asia Minor, he was on his second missionary journey with Silas, and they came into those towns, and it said that there was a young man named Timothy, a disciple of the Lord, and his mother was a believer and his father was a Greek. Timothy was already saved when Paul met him. So Paul adopted him. He didn't have to birth him. He adopted Timothy. Timothy became a companion, went everywhere where Paul went. And often Paul would then, wherever city he was in, he would send Timothy back to a church to check on it. But what he says here is that Timothy is going to remind you not of my words, not of my works. He's going to remind you of what? My ways. 
This son of mine has lived life with me and knows me so well that he can share with you my ways. Psalm 103 said that Israel knew the works of the Lord, but Moses knew his ways. It takes more. It takes living life together for spiritual fathers and mothers and sons and daughters to flow in family on mission. Sons and daughters show their fathers and mothers ways. I'm going to be speaking to Greenhouse later this month on sonship and daughterhood. So I get to go both ways. I get to this fathers and mothers today, and in three weeks I get the sons and daughters. Timothy is a beloved and faithful child. I'll bet he wasn't perfect either. I bet Paul had to have some discussions with Timothy. But ah, Timothy got the overflow of his father, Paul. Living life together. And he says, he's going to show you my way just as I teach in every church. Look, this is God's blueprint for the church. For every church. Spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers. When I began teaching, uh, when I began fathering years ago, probably 15 years ago or more, I asked the Lord, I said, well, God, when I get together with them, what do you mean do with them? <laughs> what do I do with them when I get with them? And the Lord said, John, I just want you to share your life with them. Just share your life. So, in still, in Zoom calls, in phone calls, in get-togethers, I'm just sharing them what God's teaching me. Or as I'm driving there, I ask God for prophetic words to give to them. Or they'll sit down with me, and several of them are pastors. They'll sit down and say, hey, John, have you ever been in this situation? What would you do if you were me? And I go, I've been in that situation, and let me tell you the wrong mistake I made. (laughs) Don't do that. Just share your life with them. Spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers. Just share your life with them. Spiritual fathering mothering begins with a divine relational connection. It functions through imitative, exemplary living. And it flows through open, transparent lifestyle. The scriptures show us what spiritual fathering mothering look like. In, in Thessalonians, Paul says that he came to them as a father exhorting and encouraging and imploring them as a father would. Exhorting, encouraging, and imploring. Spiritual fathering is also cueing from Father God. The psalm says, as God has compassion on his children. Spiritual fathers and mothers show compassion. Scripture also says that God disciplines in love his children. I've had not to do that. I've not had to do that too often, but it's required sometimes. Hey, quit being so stupid. 
If you do this, you're going to regret it. I've called some people on it sometimes. That's part of fathering and mothering. In uh, the beginning of every year, I ask the Lord if he wants to give me a word or show me something about the coming year. In 2022, I asked him that, and I had, went into a vision. And in the vision, I saw a very large table, and around it were a bunch of people, and they were sewing an emblem on a large cloth. And I had seen this emblem before in the natural. I couldn't remember where I, where I put it, but it was, the, it, was the, uh, it was a picture of a golden lion racing with its claws out like this. And they were putting this emblem all over this, this cloth. And so when I, when I got up, I, I googled that image. And it's called the Rampant Lion of Scotland. My name is Wallace. <clears throat> My son Brennan back there, when he graduated from West Point, he, I said, I said uh, what do you want for your graduation gift? And he said, I want a family trip to Scotland. So we went and spent 10 days in Scotland. And uh, the rampant Lion of Scotland, it was an emblem of Scottish royalty. That the only person that could fly this flag or carry this emblem was the king. And so then what the Lord said was, what I want you to do, John, is I want you to understand royalty. What does it mean to be royal? And then he took me through this series of, of, of thinking that I was a prince living in the castle of my king the father. And <clears throat> what did I expect from my father, the king? I expected that he would provide for me. I expected that he would protect me. I would expect that he would make proclamations over me to tell me over and over again who I am and what I'm called to. And then the fourth thing was he expected a progeny. He expected me to reproduce. God our Father expects the same thing. He's that kind of a Father. To provide and protect and proclaim and to expect a progeny. I could go on about mothering. Perhaps Suzanne will mention that. But there are still a lot of scriptures about God being a mother as well that we can learn from. So, anyway. I know that some of you, you didn't have earthly fathers or the earthly fathers that you had were either absent emotionally or absent physically. You just didn't have the kind of father that God intended you to have. But guess what? One of God's names is Redeemer. He is a Redeemer. And he can take this concept of father or mother if you've got this knee-jerk reaction to that word and he can redeem that and he can begin to show you what a father is and what a mother is, what it intended to be and, and he can give you what you didn't get. If you give yourself to that redeeming God, he will reorient you to his divine plan and operation for family. You will learn from him. May he reparent you. May he change your perspective about fathering and about mothering. And then watch. Watch spiritual fathers and mothers. We're, in a minute, I'm going to invite some spiritual fathers and mothers from this house to be at. Watch their lives. Imitate them. 
The Christ that you see in them, imitate that. Learn, learn, relearn from spiritual fathers and mothers. Well, I'm going to call my wife up right now. And I do that with fear and trembling because let me tell you. Come, babe. Most of the time when she speaks with me, um, when it's over, somebody will come up and say, man, John, thanks you for what you said, but what Suzanne said, my God, it blew me out of the water. So here she is. Um, okay. <laughs> um, so a number of years ago, I, I felt like the Lord began to speak to me about how he wanted to link the generations together in order to carry his purposes. And the picture he gave me was of an old Stradivarius violin. Now, these Stradivarius violins were crafted like at the beginning of the 1700s, and they just had a really rich quality about them so that they were very, very valuable. So valuable that if you were to have one of those today, the few of them that are still around, it would be worth like millions and millions of dollars. But... If you had one of those today, you would not want it to be strung with strings from the 1700s because those strings would be brittle and old and useless. You would want that beautiful old instrument to be strung with brand new crisp strings. And that was the picture that I felt like he was giving. And then along with that was just the idea that in general that old instruments have a a quality, a depth, a richness of their tone because of their age. And I wasn't even sure that was entirely true. I'm not a musician, so I didn't really know for sure. But around that time, we went, made a trip to the Guitar Center. And I walked in, and there was this tattered piece of paper, scotch-taped on the wall, that caught my attention. And the reason why it caught my attention is the heading of it said, Why do old Martin guitars sound so good? So it went on to explain that the reason why they sound so good is that the the top of the Martin guitar is a soundboard that's made of a really porous wood. And that porous wood, like over time, as music is played on that instrument, that that wood actually changes at the cellular level to line up with the music. The way you can tell that this whole process has taken place is that the lacquer on the top of the soundboard cracks to kind of into a checkerboard type pattern. And that's how you know that this process has taken place. Interestingly enough, this whole process is called the character of the guitar. (laughs) So, for a moment, I want to speak to all of you vintage Martin guitars out there. (laughs) For some of us, our lacquer is cracking, right? (laughs) But all that means is that we've developed the character. We've developed a lifestyle. We've developed, even through the breaking, we've developed things in our lives that are needed in this hour, and they're needed for the young people, and I believe it's needed for what God is, is going to do. I will not at all be surprised. I'm very suspicious that we may be on the cusp of another move not too much different from the Jesus revolution that was in the 60s and the 70s. But if that's true, this time we need to do it better. And we need to have the mothers and the fathers in place to receive those children and to nurture those children.
And I wanna speak for a moment to all of you young strings, all of you nice, <laughs> crisp strings. Um, we need you. We need your fresh perspective. We need your sometimes totally different perspectives. We need your flexibility. We need your willingness to get out, get out of the rut, to go conquer. We need, we need all of who you are as a young person. We need you to help us with our technological issues. <laughs> we need you. And I really do believe that as God wants to string, so to speak, those generations together, that it's forming that beautiful instrument, but with the, just the, the best tone that can come forth from it. So I want to say just a word about spiritual mothering. Um, in Genesis 17, God does speak to Abraham, and he says to him, Abraham, you are going to be the father of many nations. Okay, here's the question. The father of many nations. Is that something that he could have made happen by himself? Okay, no. The answer is no. He couldn't. He needed Sarah. He needed all of who she was to fulfill the covenant. He speaks to, God speaks to Abraham, says, you'll be the father of many nations. But then a few verses later, he says the same thing about Sarah. He says, you will be the mother of many nations. He speaks to Abraham and he says, kings will come forth from you. Then he turns and he speaks to Sarah, and he says, kings will come forth from you. So she was needed. She was needed for what God wanted to do. And in the same way that Sarah was able to carry the promise, even before it was revealed, in the same way that Mary was able to carry the promise, even before you could see it, I believe that we as women are capable of carrying the promise even before it is visible and to nurture that promise once it's been revealed. Um, I have learned to expect the unexpected when it comes to mothering. There was a time period in our life when the Lord brought in <laughs> a bunch of multi-tattooed, multi-pierced young people that... Um, really spent their youth a little differently than we spent our youth, and yet that we loved dearly, and that God was calling us to be a spiritual mother and a spiritual father too. And then after that, for me personally, there was a group of young Hispanic boys who were gangster wannabes, and God was calling me to like build a nest for them so that they could be spiritually mothered. And then after that, there was a whole group of young African-American people that, and with their mothers, that God was calling me to be a spiritual mom to. Even after we moved here, there was a young man in his 20s that just came one day just to deliver furniture. But years later, he's become, or months later rather, he's become a spiritual son. So I've learned to keep my eyes open for the unexpected spiritual son or daughter. And I want to just, to all of you women, I just want to encourage you to do the same. Keep your eyes open for that spiritual orphan so that we don't have any orphans. And listen, it's just not that complicated to be a spiritual mom. If you love the Lord, if you have a walk with him, if you know how to love people and you have food, you have everything it takes to be a spiritual mother. So keep your eyes open. Be ready to pull these young people into your homes.
Be ready to pull these young people around your dining room table and be ready to really pull them into your hearts. What I tell you, what I tell you. I grew up with family reunions. Grandfather or grandmother. Aunts and uncles, great aunts and great uncles. Fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters and cousins. Every time we gather together, God wants it to be a family reunion. Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit of God. Embed in us the truth. Let us live vigorously out of the truth. Lord, we embrace this way in which you want us to function as family. Let us step into the place that you want us to. Let us hear your voice. So obediently follow you and see life abundantly in us and through us. In Jesus' name. Now I've asked, we've asked several of the spiritual fathers and mothers of this house to come forward and be part of the ministry team here today. So why don't you all come forward, if you will. And I want to make three invitations. Three invitations. Number one is to those of you that you know that the Lord has placed you or is calling you into the role of a spiritual father or spiritual mother. A spiritual father or a spiritual mother. And what they're going to do is just to pray for you, just fresh anointing, just that God would just equip and encourage you in that. That's invitation number one. Invitation number two are those that that you're sitting here and you're going, well, I want a spiritual father, I want a spiritual mother. And I'm going to ask you to come forward and be prayed for by these folks, not obligating yourself to whoever prays for you or obligating them to be your spiritual father and spiritual mother. Remember Doug prayed for me years ago? He was a father, but he wasn't my father. It's got to be that divine connection. But what they're going to do is they're going to pray over you that God would connect you with a spiritual father and a spiritual mother. That's the second invitation. And the third is, is you have any kind of prayer need. God answers prayer. We have seen the miraculous take place right here, right here on this floor. So let's all stand. If you're in one of those three categories, come. Come. It's God's invitation for you to step in to it.